Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are looking at the Amazon Prime original 7500, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt from first-time director Patrick Valreth. And uh, joining me for this one is Imran the Nerd from the Jock and Nerd podcast. His first time on the show. We had a great conversation. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about this one. It's a movie that kind of just came out of nowhere. And, you know, uh, that seems to be the case with a lot of movies lately with the way that things are and with no major movie releases. But these little things just keep popping up and uh it was it was a good movie and so i'm looking forward to talking about it before we get into that conversation i do want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together on your podcast app of choice you can rate and review us over on apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and follow us on social media at piecing pod you should also check out our patreon which i don't promote that much because lately all i've really done is put up uh, advanced episodes on there but we have a bunch of bonus content hitting the feed uh just recently not yet at the time of recording this so it's weird that i'm saying just recently but by the time you hear this it will be up is a special album release Uh, those of you who listen to the show know that i am a music composer as well and i recently released an album called beater original motion picture soundtrack which is the score to a feature film that I scored, um, along with a bunch of other pieces from other films I scored for the same director, Chris Johnson. And this album is an hour and 45 minutes long, 34 tracks, because it spans six years of collaborations with this director. But there was even more music that I cut out for the sake of not making it blow up into this big, ridiculously huge thing. And so I gathered some extended versions and some of the cut tracks into a bonus album of 10 extra pieces, and it is only available on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash piecingpod, check it out. Advanced episodes of Piecing It Together, a bunch of other special bonuses coming soon, and this exclusive new album. So lots of cool stuff over there. Make sure you're following us on social media. Check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and... At about a minute long, this is like the longest intro speech I've ever done. So I'm going to get out of here and get to the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Go check out 7500 on Amazon Prime. Here's 7500. All right, so joining me today to talk about the Amazon Prime original 7500, we've got 
Imran from the Jock and the Nerd podcast. How's it going? Pretty good, David. Thanks for having me. I'm super happy I answered your random tweet out of the blue. <laughs> this is what happens, people, when you have a podcast. And uh, I was like, yeah, I saw this movie and I enjoyed it and I want to talk to somebody about it. It's true. I, you know, I finished watching it and I was like, do I want to do a movie, uh, an episode on this movie? It's, you know, it's been out a week or two. It's like, it's a kind of, it's, it's good, but it's kind of just like a slight, you know, just fun little thriller. Is it yeah. something I want to do? Well, I guess I'll put a tweet out there and boom, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I thought of the same thing. It's like kind of a sleeper, you know, kind of a weird comeback for JGL there. Oh, out of nowhere. And, and uh, I do enjoy these kind of tense, thriller, disaster-y movies. Sure. So I was like pleasantly surprised. So before we get into it, uh, I do like to have first-time guests on the show introduce themselves. Why don't you tell people about you and your podcast and what you do? Sure. I co-host a podcast called The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Spoiler, I am not the jock. I know some people get that. They can be confused. I would be the nerd. My co-host is Anthony, who is a millennial jock. I'm a little bit older. And we have a third co-host named Rugboy, who is a puppet. But if you want to be PC about it, he's a felty American. Uh, and uh, that puppet speaks the most truth out of the three of us. You'd be surprised. And we cover, uh, you know, the gist, the tagline is, comic book and superhero TV and movie news reviews and whatever we choose. Lately, we've been leaning heavy into the whatever we choose. Sure. Because of the way, the, you know, the industry and the landscape of movies is. I'm sure everyone uh, understands. But there's still great new stuff coming out. And, you know, you guys reviewed King of Staten Island last episode. Mm -hmm. We also reviewed King of Staten Island because it was new. Yeah. I was like, I need, I need something new to watch. You got to find not? something. And uh, luckily, there has been a constant stream of new movies. These these ones like 7,500, for example, that yeah. I I have a feeling that, you know, I, I don't know the behind the scenes of what this movie is, like where it came from. Like, were they just sitting on it for a while? And then it's like, oh, shit, we got a pandemic. Let's put this thing on Amazon. Like, wh what was the plan for this? I have no idea. But it does seem like we're getting a constant stream stream of new releases that maybe were planned for theatrical, maybe not. Maybe we're always going to be streaming. Maybe they were for later on down the year. Maybe they pushed them up, pushed them back, whatever. But uh, luckily, us podcasters still have plenty to talk about. I mean, I think it's a little bit of all those things. I mean, look at Tom Hanks putting out another World War II movie <laughs> on Apple TV+. Plus. I don't even pay for that yet. I don't know who has that, but that's a huge get, and that's a huge movie that you can... Watch at home. Yeah, it's amazing. It's wild. He's not too happy about that though. But uh, no, th that's I, another of course, story. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, seventy five hundred. Let's let's get into some puzzle pieces with this. We'll we'll talk more about our thoughts on it along the way as we're going from piece to piece. But what do you got for your first puzzle piece? Um. All right. It's kind of a wacky, silly one, but it was like gut instinct. Watching, you know, how this movie is so technical. You can almost learn how to fly a goddamn plane right. if you pay really close attention, write everything down. All those buttons so really real do something. Yeah, JGL <laughs> seemed to know what he was doing, not just flipping buttons. Um, uh, uh, interesting note, I read the captain is an actual pilot who used to fly for Lufthansa for years. Hmm. So that dude knew what he was doing. So all the cockpit scenes, I mean, the whole thing takes place in the cockpit. But the first thing I thought of was Airplane from the Zucker Brothers. Nice. But I guess more accurately, the movies, it was spoofing sure. airport and like the 70s disaster movies. Like it kind of had that tense 
uh, tension of a good 70s disaster movie that you don't really see a lot these days. But I don't know why I jumped to Airplane. It's one of my favorite comedies. Yeah, that's why for sure. And th- this movie, of course, not not quite as funny, um, <laughs> but no, maybe a laugh the or two. Tone. <laughs> yes. But uh, but no, I I it really is like totally in that cockpit the whole time, and I think that's that's a big part of what makes this movie tick. And, and you know, this is an exercise in tension. I think most of all, more yep. than anything, yep. and I. I think it's interesting to kind of you're you're mentioning it along with disaster movies and it is because I mean like plane hijacking absolutely it is but to yeah. take this different kind of a smaller approach to like focusing in on that cockpit the whole time I yeah. think is one of the yeah. most interesting things about the movie. Yeah, it's uh, it is tense and terrifying. It could have almost been a stage play. Sure. The way, you know, they did this. Um I also read a lot of the movements like they bought a plane, mm-hmm. cut it up. And and they they didn't block any of the movements. There was no rehearsal. Hmm. They just let the guys improv, and the cameraman had to figure out how to swing around, get out of their way. How to, and they would roll these long takes, hmm. apparently like forty to sixty minute takes. Um, and it's just amazing sense of claustrophobia and tension in that little cockpit because you're there, you're there with him the whole time. Yeah, great, absolutely. Well, I I think a lot of that those ideas are going to come up in a bunch of my puzzle pieces along the way. Yeah. Uh, the first one I wanted to bring up, and again, speaking of that whole claustrophobia and being stuck in that cockpit, I thought of David Fincher's Panic Room and yes. the idea of just being stuck in this place where it's like, yeah, you're you're kind of safe, but yeah. you you know, it, it's not good to be stuck in there either. And you, you are going to, uh, you're not going to be able to help others. You're not going to really have an out in this situation. And it, the only thing that is going for you is that, you know, they can't actually get to you in the moment is really the only thing. And, and, you know, just continuing that theme of tension. I mean, that is really yeah. just like a, a really, I, I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but I, I remember it being just like a great tension piece. Absolutely. Me. I haven't seen it in a while. I love David Fincher mm-hmm. and yeah, it's that, uh, claustrophobia and that when you're in that situation, you're going to make choices that are either going to be good or bad. It's never like you don't know what's going to happen. But along that same line, I was wondering if some of our picks may overlap. Mm-hmm. I had Panic Room in a list of claustrophobic thriller movies that reminded me of like Gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that movie Cube. I don't know if you've ever seen the sci-fi movie Cube. I've never seen Cube. I've heard great things. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like you're in a box and they're moving from box to box and then they're in a giant box with a bunch of boxes that move around, so you never know what room's next to you. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's so good. But then Gravity is kind of that similar. Even though it's in space, it has an amazing claustrophobic tension to this movie because she's out there alone, and but she's, she's all she's got. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of Gravity, and that's actually a really good piece. I, I, I think that should go on the list for sure. Yahoo! Made it on the list. <laughs> Bonus piece. <laughs> Bonus piece. <laughs> so what do you got for your next one? Uh, let's go to, so, uh, during the movie, great moment where JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt tries to get the crew, the passengers to fight back. And he's got a point. All he got are little pieces of glass. There's like three of them. There's 30 passengers. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And they kind of do get them. And the one guy gets in, but that reminded me of like United 93, the passenger uprising. For sure. Uh, of course that movie handled a lot better. It's more, you know, it's more impactful beating that was realistic but this was pretty realistic too and i was like i was proud of the passengers in that moment i was like oh right. good for you get them he they just have a piece of glass with duct tape on it 
Just somebody jump him. Sit on him. What are you doing? Do something, people. But no, seriously, U-993 was on my list as well. Uh, Definitely another overlap there. And yeah, I mean, obviously a lot heavier of a movie because of dealing with the actual events of 9-11. But at the same time, strangely, uh, you know, within all that heaviness and the visceral feeling, like a sense of heroicism and all that. But whereas in this you don't really see much of the passengers standing up and doing anything. You just, you're really caught in that cockpit the whole time, which is just such an interesting choice. I think it, uh, it, it really, it's like a one man show basically. I mean, he carries, he has to carry the movie. Um, I, I read it, you know, this is his, uh, this is kind of a low, uh, low comeback for him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done a movie since 2016 since Snowden. Right. Uh, and I read he's had a couple of kids. He wanted to raise some kids. But for him to pick this crazy movie, I think he probably thought it would challenge him as a, as a comeback. And, uh, you know, that uh, you wait, that can kind of lead into my next one. Oh, is it your turn? Uh, yes, it is, actually. But okay. why, why don't you go ahead and tell us what the next one is? Well, I was just going to say, sorry. Sorry for taking over, oh, David it, yeah, it, it happens. No, the fact that he is on the screen the whole time and it's a tour de force acting from him reminded me of Castaway. Tom Hanks kind of carrying the movie. Okay. Again, not as extreme as Tom Hanks and Castaway, but similar kind of feel. That was it. For sure. I, I can absolutely see that in there. And uh, again, a, a fun, a more fun movie. Um, but no, yes, I totally, yes. I totally see the, uh, the comparison there though, especially with that, that just like one man show tour de force kind of performance, actually a great, uh, lead up to my next piece that I was going to bring up, uh, is actually Danny Boyle's 127 hours with James Franco, another, yeah, another yeah, person just stuck a story of survival. Yep. Um, and yep. this is of course survival in the cockpit of an airplane and nowhere to go and literally nowhere to go outside of the plane nowhere to go inside of the plane inside of the cockpit and uh it's just a matter of is he going to be able to survive through this ordeal they like what would you do if you were in this position absolutely you know, you ask yourself that in both these movies now it's again a claustrophobic one location i have not i cannot bring myself to watch that movie because i know what happens mm-hmm. and just the thought of what this dude actually did Makes me so uncomfortable that I don't even I don't even want to watch a fictionalized version of this. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, that that is the question I remember going into and coming out of that movie. 127 hours is would you be able to do this? Like, would you be able to survive this situation? And yeah. that, I think that 7500 kind of raises similar questions. It's I mean, I don't want to say it's not as harrowing because it really fucking is. But at the same time, it's like it's not as it's not as gross and and, uh, disturbing, you know? Yes. You know what? That's a great segue to my next pick. Okay, which is the um, there is an ethical dilemma JGL faces, Mm -hmm. you know, sacrifice the passengers to save many more passengers, sacrifice one passenger to save many more. This ethical dilemma. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminded me of uh, in the dark night, what the fairies and the bombs and the people each had a switch and, you know, they had to make a choice. But then I'm also going to tie in Dark Knight Rises because that opening scene of Bane get, getting rescued from the plane and him dropping the plane 
also kind of ties into this movie. So I'm going to do it too further. I got to admit, I completely forgot about that opening of Dark Knight Rises. Dude, that's, <laughs> it's amazing. And Nolan is crazy. He, that is real. He shot that all week. He actually dropped a plane. Yeah. He had him hanging there. It's not CGI. A man does not mess around. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love that though. The, the whole ethical uh, dilemma of it, of do you, do you save these people or do you stand your ground and do the thing that yeah. the pilot's supposed to do? And yeah, no, that that's a that's a great pick. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so I will go with my last piece, actually, because we had two overlaps. But um, my last piece is something more so towards the beginning of the film, like the first uh, probably 30, 40 minutes of it. But it does continue a little bit throughout. Uh a lot of the a lot of the drama, a lot of the um the tension comes in the way of watching these screens uh where he's able to see into the uh the uh not the cockpit yeah, the uh the rest of the plane yeah the rest of the, the plane uh, whatever you call that right what's behind the cabin him, yeah. i guess uh yes the cabin yeah there yes. you go and and the yeah. fact that you can only see what the camera sees and right. you're you can't see further back you can't see around the corners any of that stuff i thought of the paranormal activity series where oh yeah all of the scares are coming from what the camera Security is capturing page. And not yeah. knowing what's happening outside of that, there's there is absolutely no way to know because you just the the character you're following into this this story uh, has no way of seeing or knowing what else is happening on that plane except for right outside that door on that camera. And so that's a good one. It's it's an interesting, unique way to uh, to ramp up that those scares and drama. And of course, paranormal activity takes it to a more scary place, whereas this is more of a yeah. tension place. But uh, to just ramp that up a lot. Yeah, that's a really good one. It makes sense, and it's, but they're both uh, they're both horrific and used for for great tension. For sure, not having the context outside of what you're looking at. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go. Okay, this one uh, I thought of also while watching the movie. I was trying to think of more movies that just took place in one location. This movie also it's almost real time. The actions, which was I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. I also thought was interesting that there was no score. Did you notice that? There was no music. I absolutely it did. really heightened the tension. Also, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I appreciated the tight runtime. You know, it's great with these streaming movies, directors are getting to make three hour, two and a half hour fucking movies. I get it. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, it just appears like they're just not editing their shit. And it's a little bit long-winded. So nice tight 90 minutes, well used, right? Sure. Uh, but the movie I'm talking about is Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Keep yourself. I thought about including Phone Booth. I, I haven't seen it in so many years. I didn't like. I didn't like yeah. have enough to say on it. But absolutely, that like just being stuck in that location, the the eth ethical dilemma of what you're gonna do yep. and trying to get out. Also of it. happens in real time, yeah. I believe. So just like this movie. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that came up. I like that. For me, yeah, I like including Phone Booth on the list for sure. And you know, back to the runtime real quick. This movie, I think, you know, aside from having a few uh, interesting, unique takes on the genre, I think, um, I think the runtime is one of the biggest things it has going for it. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a short, yes. it really <laughs> like if this thing was t even two hours, I think it would have just yeah. been too long. And I, I think it shows a lot of restraint. I, I was looking him mm -hmm. up. This is a first time director, which is yeah, also interesting yeah. that he was able to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt on it um, out, yeah. out of semi kind of retirement. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it shows a lot of uh, a lot of sense with this guy that directed it. Yeah. German dude, Patrick Valrath. Yeah. I guess he's been doing a lot of shorts for the last 10 years, but 
it really gives the movie like an international kind of feel. But then you have, of course, the American coming in to save the day. Sure. I mean, as uh, as as we as they do. you got to have that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have that. <laughs> but yeah, you're in and out of the movie before you even know what happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And like, so, you know, it's a little stereotypical that there's Muslim terrorists. Mm. Like, we're still doing that, I guess. What is this? Ten years ago. Yeah. And it, it does get a little Stockholm syndrome syndrome at the end. But that moment where the guy has to help him land the plane is so good. Yeah. Uh, like you, you like the way they got along and they kind of bonded and he needed to, for him to be his left hand. And again, you learn how to land a plane, right? Just write all that down. You'll be able to land a plane. I think it's probably pretty damn accurate. (laughs) Yeah. It seemed very realistic. Like they were going for this amazing sense of realism. What would happen? And I just appreciate it. You know, JGL doesn't get to leave the cockpit. We don't get to leave the cockpit until the very end of the movie. Where the cops, the SWAT team comes in and there's like one shot, it's outside of the cockpit sure. suddenly. And you're like, whoa, not in the cockpit anymore. It, you know, it, that sense of restraint of really, truly sticking to just the cockpit actually made it feel kind of good when he finally got yeah. out of there. It's like, you know, it's not like you have all these like lead up scenes, you don't have flashbacks, you don't have like, like all this other stuff happening. So by that time, you're like, finally, you know, I, I, I feel great, that when dude, I'm on a what? real plane. Yeah, when they landed, I was like, oh, thank God they're on the ground. Now what's going to happen? And then at the end, I'm like, oh, he's free in the cockpit. I will say there's little character development. We don't really know much. He's got his girlfriend and he's got a kid. She's dead. That was just so, that was just so (laughs) she could get shaked in the neck and uh, he would have a moment to cry and pull that, pull that little bit of performance off. But it worked. And it was, again, yeah, nice and tight. There's no filler. Just get me through. And it seemed real time, which was cool. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so any other puzzle pieces before we uh, close that down? Well, I mean, there's the cliche hijack movies you can bring up, like Air Force One, Passenger 57. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the disaster pick. And then that was really, that was all of them. The only other one I kind of thought of was Flight with Denzel Washington. Um, oh, because yeah. there's also that whole... Uh, uh, the personal aspect where it's not just the uh, the disaster with the plane, but then there's also the personal aspect of the character, like kind of going back and forth with that with him in this with, you know, the fact that his his wife or girlfriend, whatever it is, is yeah. one of the flight attendants that's in danger. Yeah. And uh, and that that's kind of maybe not OK, not, you know, uh, with the rules of the uh, aviation yeah. department or whatever. Yeah. But so there's like a little bit of that personal stuff mixing in with the uh, disaster stuff. And this one makes you wonder, like, what will happen to JGL after he leaves the plane? Like, is he going to get in trouble for these deaths? <laughs> uh, what happened? Does he still fly? He just, you know, I like they leave it up to you. Like, you know, you can think about what, where his career is going. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts on 7500. The finished puzzle includes airplane or airport, but I like picking airplane. <laughs> uh, panic Room, Gravity, Castaway, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, Paranormal Activity, Phone Booth, and we squeezed in Flight there at the end. Uh, I I think, you know, obviously we got the, you know, we've got the, um, oh, and United 93 I left off. Uh, we've got the the flight based movies, the, the, you know, disaster based movies, the hijacking based movies that are clear influences. But this movie obviously is just so much all about the tension. And for a small little movie, I think it does quite a good job of, uh, of, of making that work. Absolutely. I'm excited to see more from this guy given, you know, obviously this is a low budget 
and uh, he challenged himself with keeping to the cockpit. Um, but I'd I'd like to see uh, more more of his style. Mm-hmm. Really, and I kind of love like the documentary feel. It almost has like a weird documentary feel. I also re- like they shot it all live. Kind of, they just let them go. Like I said, so it gives that kind of documentary uh, gloss on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, good tight thriller, and like it sucks you in pretty pretty quickly right away. Yeah, uh, stuff starts happening, and you're in, and then. And then it's over, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> that was nuts, but very entertaining. I, I don't want to give the movie too much credit, and I know we just met, yeah. but I've got like a little theory that kind of popped in okay. my head after I was done watching this movie. And I, I felt in a way that it almost operates a little bit as like a metaphor for being stuck in quarantine and knowing what's best for the world, but they just yes. won't listen. You know? <laughs> I no, I kind of get, and which is weird, which is why it's so crazy timely that this thing comes out now. Think about this: everybody has been locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going stir crazy, and you turn on this movie of a guy that's like the nth degree of being locked in and stuck. And if people would just listen, yeah, he could land a goddamn plane. Everything would be all right. <laughs> exactly. But no, <laughs> shit's got to hit the fan. That's that's what it comes yeah. down. No, I I had that same thought. I was like, this is a very weird parallel to what, and I'm seeing that in like a lot of stuff these days is parallel to things, even from movies from like 20 years ago. Sure. Parallel to things that are happening right oh, now. Oh, we, we just did Jaws a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, wow. holy shit. Like, the, is that not what we're going through right now with everybody going yeah. to the beach, even though there's a, jaw, a shark attack? Yes. You know? <laughs> like, is that. There's no shark. It's fine. <laughs> Get in the water. Oh, man. Yeah. No, you see it everywhere. You sure do. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for 7,500. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I'll just go if you're looking for something silly and just an escape from reality. <laughs> and that, who is uh, Will that that Will new Will Ferrell movie with Rachel McAdams on Netflix? Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga has the most ridiculous title. And when you watch the movie, you find out it's just a ridiculous movie. It's another Will Ferrell movie where he's a weirdo in another land with a weird niche hobby and uh, becomes the best of whatever it is and. The man child lives with his dad, and this one takes place in Iceland. The songs are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Dan Stevens has a great role. Oh, he's great. So, you know, yeah, he's a very good actor, and he's really good. What they did with his, his part in this, I thought it was going to be stereotypical. It went a different way. I was happy. So, just, you know, a little whatever, nothing, you have it on, laugh for like an hour and a half. I've, I've got such a list of puzzle pieces for this movie, and I just can't decide yes. if I'm going to do an episode on it. No, no. It's just so that ridiculous. Would, that, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, it's like every other Will Ferrell. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah that definitely yeah. pads it out a little bit. <laughs> this one, 7,500. I thought it was going to be hard, but it wasn't. It's, the movie's so specific. Yeah, it, it turned out not being that hard. I was like, oh, all these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a feeling that it's going for, and that feeling uh, is absolutely palpable through the whole thing, and that kind of leads you to these other other things that had the same kind of tension feeling. You know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is great, man. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your podcast again? Uh, the podcast is called The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Visit jockandnerd.com where you can find us where all podcast apps are found. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Jock and Nerdcast. But jockandnerd.com will have links to everything, get you where you're going. Uh, we've got new shows every Sunday. We've been running for just over five years now over there. 
So come on in and, and nerd out with us. Hell yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for doing it. And uh, if, if you thanks ever, ever want to come back, I'd love to have you again sometime. Oh, absolutely. I love, David, I love this concept. It's brilliant. It's a great way to talk about a movie, and it makes you think, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It was, it was as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Oh, so, that's, that's awesome. Thanks so much, man. Hello, everybody. My name is Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of That Moment In. We are slightly different than your average movie podcast in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out. We are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast, and we are available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about 7,500. Go check it out on Amazon Prime, and thank you to Imran for joining me, and I've had a lot of new guests on the show lately, and let me just say, if you're out there listening and you've thought, hey, you know what, when I finish watching a movie, I've got puzzle pieces for it, get in touch with me, because I'm always looking for new people to join me on the show, and I'd love to have you on, so get in touch. And also, if you enjoy the show, you can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and of course, yada, 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 you should... Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. The Patreon I mentioned at the top of the show. We've got a bunch of bonus content hitting that soon. So check out Patreon. And just as always, share the show. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to close this thing out with a piece of music, as we always do. And I am going to play... This is uh, kind of a darkly appropriate episode to play this one on, but this is a track called Free Fall from my album Head Like Fire. Uh, if you listen to my other podcast, Bird Road, you know we use it as the opening theme music for that for the first few years. We just recently switched that up. But uh, yeah, Free Fall. Uh, the plane is in Free Fall at certain points, so I figured it's a good fit. Next time you get on a plane, though, don't don't think about that that wouldn't be a good thought to have in your mind but still good track and uh enjoy it it's from my album head like fire and we'll be back with more piecing it together coming out real soon
and All Points West. <laughs>